welcome to a special episode of Tex Talks, The Look Back. I am Tex, and today I'll be looking back at some of my favorite moments from season one, reveal what went into the recording of each episode, and hit you with some exciting announcements in anticipation of season two. But first, I think it's high time I properly introduce myself. While almost everyone I know calls me Tex, the name my parents gave me is Tekla, and I've been a part of the South African music industry for the last 10 years, namely as a journalist, event curator, and freelance streaming consultant. I started my blog, Tex in the City, 10 years ago, and over time it has grown to become a fully-fledged music website that spotlights the best underground and unsigned musicians in South Africa across multiple genres, from garage rock to com, we do not discriminate. Tex Talks was born when my now producer, Jonathan Ings, and I got together at Van Hunks in Cape Town for a day-drinking session. Cut to another day-drinking session a few months later at the Royale in Joburg, and Tex Talks was born. Just like Tex in the City, the aim behind this podcast is to spotlight the multiple genres that make South Africa, and to a larger extent, Africa, such a rich musical melting pot. And when we started to put together potential names of musicians to interview for season one, it was very important to me that we display a cross-section of genres, but also of people. Together with our second producer, Matthew Lurtz, who edits Text Talks to Perfection, and Al Clapper, who assists me in doing my research on each interview subject, I really could not have asked for a better team. So now, let's look back. But first, we need to shout out our collaborators for this special episode. We've teamed up with the folks at The Good Times Company. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at The Good Times Co. They're busy collecting playlists from different music personalities from around South Africa. And for this episode, I have put together a special playlist with all the artists featured on Text Talk Season 1. Check out our show notes for the link to stream my playlist. Being able to kick off this podcast with Zolani was like a dream come true because she's an icon and her story is so beautifully layered. I'd met her once or twice at events, but I'd never interviewed her before, so there was a lot to unpack, especially with her leaving Freshly Ground and recently going solo. I think my favorite moment from our talk was when she spoke to me about Freshly Ground being involved in the FIFA 2020 Soccer World Cup, which was around about the time that they'd recorded their theme song with Shakira. Let's take a listen. That was quite something. I, yeah, talk about being catapulted into the world stage. Um, yeah, by that stage, we had been going for, for eight years, but certainly that was, that was our, our biggest sort of global, global success, being a part of that song with Shakira. Um, you know, you, you spoke a little bit about my play at the beginning, at the top of, of this podcast, um, The One Who Sings, and I speak a little bit about this um, about the Waka Waka time. And something that I think will surprise a lot of people is that, you know, it's it was in so many ways the pinnacle of my and the band's career. Um, but I internally was feeling terrible. I was at my lowest. You know, I was, um, I've never been a, I've never been a thin person. Um, except when I was maybe like seven. <laughs> Join the club. But, um, yeah, but I was at my biggest weight that I've ever, that I've ever been. And this is certainly not to say anything against weight, but that heaviness 
was a reflection of what was going on internally. And what was going on internally is that I was responding to the world from a place of being very disempowered. So, um, and I was engaging in very addictive, compulsive, destructive behaviors. Around the time Around of the, the time World Cup. Of the World Cup. So I was emotionally and spiritually in quite a low place at the same time as being as in my career you know I was in a very elevated space so my memories of the of the world cup time are um yeah they are they're I have I'm ambivalent you know I mean I have I have I have I have two extremes very high and very low it's a mixed bag it's a very mixed bag yeah, I mean, I was drinking at my... Drinking was one of the, the ways that I had been using to sort of cope with... She's... To cope with being myself <laughs> in this world or trying to avoid being myself. Episode two featured the kiffness. And even though Dave and I have known each other for a long time, it was the first time that I'd interviewed him with this podcast. It's been so interesting to watch him grow into this meme king but also into a supremely confident musician who isn't scared to take on big corporations. His feature on Carte Blanche recently, where he spoke to Derek Watts about collecting money owed to him from royalty agencies, is proof of how he's never going to let sleeping dogs lie. And people can say what they want about him, but to me, the Kiffness is South Africa's musical version of the people's champion. He stands and fights for those who A, can't, or B, don't know how. And my favorite moment from our talk was when he questioned why more musos don't stand with him. Let's take a listen. The general mood in the SA music scene is, is just apathy. People just don't care anymore. They're just like, oh, they're, not, they're never going to pay us. And people kept telling me that, oh, they'll never pay you. You're wasting your time. And f like a lot of the time, you know, I did think that, you know, maybe this is a waste of time. But, you know, when, when I saw, you know, the Honorable Swart, like mm. speaking about it in Parliament, I, it gave me a bit of hope. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's difficult to, to just keep like fighting this, this crazy fight. Like I, I feel like, you know, if more musicians banded with me, it would, it would actually make it a bit easier, but it's just crazy because a lot of my friends, you know, sign this petition, but then they still go and support 5FM and they submit their music to them anyway. So, like, there's there's a massive double standard. People, you know, will stand with me, but then, you know, support the thing that they're trying to fight. It makes no sense. And on that online petition, you made it very clear. You're in no way being like a dick towards Das Kapital or Nick Hammond. You're like, you listen to their shows, you enjoy their shows, but this is more for the people who are at the top of the decision yeah. makers, the people who can really make a difference. Yeah. Now, the fact that, you know, Nick Hammond's now started a podcast himself mm -hmm. is amazing because now I can actually listen to him again because I love listening to, to Nick. And uh, luckily, Dust Capital's got his his live Instagram feed, which I can, <laughs> can I can catch up with him there. Episode three featured Jovi and Komoto from Soweto-based band BCUC. And when we made a list of musos we wanted to feature, BCUC was right at the top of that list. 
And while it would have been a mad logistical challenge to get all seven of them on the podcast, Jovi and Komoto were every bit as engaging and as thoughtful as I knew that they would be. Our talk was great because even though I've seen BCUC perform tons of times, I really knew nothing about them. And so my favorite moment from our talk was when they spoke about how they collectively crafted their sound and energetic show. Let's take a listen. Because we needed, we needed to be the show or the band that we wish to see, mm-hmm. you know, because there was no reference point. Mm. There's no reference. Like, I, I, I haven't seen any band like BCUC, you know, like, and I think it's because the energy of the individuals at BCUC is set up like this. Mm. So we had to say, like, you, uh, in two years time or in three years time, how do you see yourself on stage? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I would wish to do this. Then let's not wait for two years or three them. years. Let's put it today, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, what do you want to do? Ah, me, I would love to do it like this. Let's do it like that. Let's mm-hmm. do it like that. Let's do it like that. And then everyone now was playing their dream. Mm-hmm. Because at first it looked like, ah, it's Jovi's dream, mm-hmm. you know. But we had to find everyone to play their dream, mm-hmm. you know, because there's, there's something that is inside you that you only can answer to, mm-hmm. you know. And I just was uh, a little bit demanding in that one, like, mm-hmm. let's go straight to your dream, you know, let's play your dream, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, it's going to be weird for a moment. Yeah. Believe me, it's going to be weird. Uncomfortable. You know? And it's going to be uncomfortable because... Yeah. I've never even had anything like whatever you are doing now. Mm. I have to get used to it, mm. me, you know. And you have to get to used to my crazy. We have to get used to yeah. everybody's crazy. And also there was this time when we decided that no more smoking before the show. Because like, we were weed heads. Yes. No more smoking before the show. <laughs> the ganja and, you know, <laughs> and no more drinking before the show. Yeah. Because this is so out there. Intense. I don't know what the hell is this. It needs us to be 100. You know? So we're halfway through our look back. And I honestly cannot believe that so much has happened over the last six weeks. But now we're looking to season two. Yes, that's right. Text Talk Season 2 will be coming at you sooner than you think. And to celebrate its impending drop, we've decided to launch dedicated social media channels so that you can get your daily dose of our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as we continue to grow. So go give Text Talks a like and a follow and stay up to date with all our breaking news. And remember, that's text with a double X. And while you're at it, head to Text and the City's YouTube channel to subscribe and stream all the episodes from season one. Another exciting development is our new partnership with Tom's Music Store. Now, Text and the City has been working with Tom's for the last four years. So I'm very happy and super grateful to be taking our partnership to a whole new level with Text Talks as they come on board to supply us with some epic gear for season two. Tom's has given us the sexy Zoom Live Track L8 mixing desk to use, and it's basically a hybrid between a live mixing desk and an audio interface. It has six mic inputs with phantom power and two line inputs, and probably my favorite part, 
It has onboard effects and a sound pad. So all I have to do is press a button to play intros, outros, jingles, ads, and sound effects, which makes my life so much easier. Also, during this time of lockdown, remote interviews are the easiest to do with the L8. I disconnect my phone and it has a special function that through sheer wizardry automatically prevents echo and feedback. But I could also use the USB connection to route audio from Skype and FaceTime and Hangouts and Slack, you name it. The L8 gives me options, which I really, really like. The cherry on top, this baby runs all of its power through its USB connection, but it's also battery powered and can run up to two and a half hours. So in a nutshell, I am very spoiled. And it's been a long time since I've had new toys like this to play with. Thomas have also given me an M-Audio Air 1924 Vocal Studio Pro, which is basically an all-in-one starter pack with a high-quality condenser mic, studio-quality headphones, and the slick, easy-to-use audio interface that I'm actually using right now. And for somebody like me who's more than a bit technically challenged, it was the easiest to set up on my Mac, and it's geared towards creating studio-quality recordings. So we want for nothing, thanks to our Tom's Music Store family. But let's return to our look back. Episode four with Ryan Murgatroyd was the turning point for Text Talks because we hit our first number one on the Apple podcast chart in the music category, and we peaked at number six on the top 10 of the general chart, casually under somebody called Oprah. For the Joburg leg of recording, we were hosted by Mixroom Studios and we had a last minute cancellation, and it just so happened that Ryan has a space at Mixroom Studios where he works. So things fell into place quite nicely, and our talk ended up being one of my favorites, because he was so open and so honest, and I really learned a lot about him. And I think my favorite moment from our talk was when he explained to me how he missed his slot playing at Germany's lauded electronic music festival Fusion Fest. This highlight is a riot. Let's take a listen. I played Fusion Fest last year, which is really great. True story, I actually missed Fusion Fest. Why? It's the biggest festival in the world. Why did you miss it though? Because that's the real story. <laughs> the real story is so so in <laughs> South Africa. It is on the DL. It is on the DL, but f it. <laughs> um, in South Africa, if we book like the night of the twenty seventh, mm -hmm. it means Friday night. Yes, like, but for them, they it's like the day early, so they booked me for Friday oh. morning, the twenty eighth. And I rocked up a day, a full 24 hours later because the, the calendars were working differently. Oh, yeah, God. And, yeah, I know. And I played the smallest, shittiest show in Berlin that night to like 20 people in a bar thinking, oh, Fusion's tomorrow. And then when I got back, I had like 600 missed calls from the stage manager. And I still went to Fusion to go like just apologize and beg to be on standby. And they were like, standby? <laughs> There's a 25-year queue for this festival. There's no standby. Oh, my God. So, yeah, they actually told me they're going to put a photo of me up in the office just to remind <laughs> people not to be this f***ing retarded. So, sorry, not to be this silly. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it took them, you know, Germans are super dry. So I was trying to make jokes, but after about 48 hours, they, they came around to the hilarity of the situation. Um, so I'm going to go back and do it again. I'm not charging this time. Right? We recorded episode five at STFD Studios in Woodstock with Alice Phoebe Lou quite fortuitously because she was scheduled to leave for Berlin quite soon after. I never really know what's going on with Alice because she's all over the map at any given time. So to be able to pin her down for an hour was amazing. She's kind of like the calm yin to my frantic yang. I'm so excited during our talk and she's so composed, but I fully blame that on my Italian heritage. 
Anyway, my favorite moment from our talk was when she described to me how she felt the first time she visited Berlin, aided by expert production courtesy of Matthew Lertz. Let's take a listen. So I want to take it back to just after you matriculated, you get on a plane, you go to Amsterdam, you're dancing, you're fire dancing, which I also didn't know about you. Oy, That's oy, oy. insane. Um, <laughs> you know. Trying to make money, doing your thing, and somebody says to you, you've got to go to Berlin. And I feel like with you, it's impossible to have a conversation and not talk about Berlin because the city is so intrinsically linked to you and you are so intrinsically linked to the city. Um, what is your first impression when you get to Berlin? What's the, fir- what's the first thing that enters your mind? I walked down the street um, and it was in quite an alternative part of the city where I've actually uh, like live at the moment and there was just so much activity happening on the streets so many different kinds of people that held themselves high without a sense of being judged even if they were kind of looking outside of the norm or you know expressing something that isn't uh, I don't know usually socially acceptable and that was literally it I walked down the street and just saw just such a wealth of expression and and I couldn't believe it to be honest because I'd heard of you know these golden eras in different parts of the world Paris in the 20s New York in the 70s Mm. and and these kinds of things felt like they were living in books and records and and that's honestly it sounds a little bit romantic but that's literally what I felt when I was walking down the streets in Berlin Uh, the sense that wow there's still a place in the world where you know you can feel as though anything is possible and where there's the sense that things are not over-regulated because most big cities in the world you know as amazing as they are have the sense of just being so fucking overregulated that you just you 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 don't feel like art and expression can can really know no bounds you know and is and it is it an affordable city I've never been there before no it's not it's really expensive and no one should ever go there <laughs> Our final episode with Trezor was probably the one I was the most nervous about going into it because it's Trezor. He's a huge pop star. And also the last time I bumped into him, I was a few tequilas deep and I couldn't really remember what I'd said to him. Hey, it happens. But he was gracious and eloquent. And if I'm allowed to have a favorite one out of the six episodes, this is it. Also, my favorite moment, hands down, was when I questioned him about being notoriously private. Let's take a listen. I've read a lot of articles about you, interviews with you over the years, and people have mentioned that you're quite a private person, right? Which is in no way a bad thing. Like, I'm mad private. I don't want people to know my business. But I feel like you're the African Beyonce. Like, we have no idea what's going on like behind closed doors with you, like, at all. Um, do you feel like people, media fans hound you more because you're so private because they like really want to know what's going on um, look uh, I think in the age of social media like I naturally just share what I believe it's important for people to know you know um, and the rest if it's really important for me to keep I keep you know such as family and um, 
you know, people, loved ones, and business, and you know, uh, because I I feel like you know, I mean, so many times a peers or friend will be like, oh man, this happened. Oh, why you didn't tell people? Like, it's, it's a great thing. Why didn't you just? Because that would be a great moment for you in the media. I'm like, nah, it's not. It's not. It's never about. For me, it's everything that I be around the music. Everything else is distraction, really. You know, so um, if the music is causing all that stirring, that great. If not, then that's okay, you know. And I love to keep it that way because it's keep me sane. It's keep me. It's it like it, it give me my own sanctuary within my mind to just be at peace with life. Just woke up, I reached for my phone and saw your name there on my screen. You sent a message, so I read it. Confused by the words, I frown, not quite sure what they mean. Could I have read wrong? Where did this come from? I suppose during your mind Should I just call and say I love you? Should I pretend to play it cool? Am I just complicating something I know I really wanna do? Anticipating how you take it Contemplating I just 
Thanks for joining us for this special episode of Text Talks. Check out textinthecity.com for more episodes and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lertz, and our research assistant, Earl Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>